0: Since we first started reporting and interviewing for season two of The Return back in January, a lot has changed. Throughout the year, we've seen artificial intelligence continue to boom while people worry how it'll impact their jobs, return-to-office mandates plaguing the country, forcing people to change their schedules, and ongoing challenges around employee experience. And Gen Zers are experiencing all of that for the first time, without any sort of existing playbook. But Gen Zers aren't shy to change, which we've covered throughout this season. We've talked about new ways they're finding mentors, how important values are to them at work, why they aren't going to be loyal to just one job anymore, how they're using TikTok for career advice, and so much more. I interview people every day for my articles who span all generations, yet I see time and time again that Gen Z is the one shaping the workforce as we know it today. They talk openly about salaries— they're okay with quiet quitting and acting their wage, and they're demanding corporate social responsibility. Ernst & Young's Gen Z segmentation study, released in September, found that Gen Z is different from other generations in a few notable ways. One, they hold the power of persuasion in their hands. Gen Z has grown up in the age of social media and feel comfortable using it to share messages about causes they support. Two, Their collective voice is already reshaping how we all work, live, and play. They're honest about what they expect from their employers and their communities. Only about a third of Gen Z surveyed said that they trust large organizations or the federal government. And that affects how they spend their money. 59% said that they care about purchasing from companies that reflect their values. And three, money and mental health are major concerns as Gen Z enters the real world. As we heard from Heather McGowan in episode one, Gen Z has spent their entire lives living through massive world-changing events from 9-11 to the COVID pandemic. Unsurprisingly, that has affected their mental health. Almost half of those surveyed report they usually or always feel anxious or depressed. And more than half are concerned about not having enough money. And their experiences matter. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says that by 2025, 27% of the workforces from its 38 member countries, which include the US, the UK, Spain, Italy, Mexico, and Japan, will be Gen Z. Welcome to The Return, a work-life podcast from Digiday Media about what the return to the office looks like as we adapt to the new post-pandemic normal. I'm your host, Chloe Callahan. A reporter at Worklife, where I cover how modern workplaces and workforces are changing across six core areas culture, technology, talent, leadership, spaces, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. On this episode, we're circling back to a few guests that we spoke with earlier this season to see where they're at now. Is Julie still balancing multiple jobs at once? Did Aldrin find a job that aligns with his values? Is Genesee happy with the working conditions at HarperCollins post-strike? And how else has Danielle relied on her front tours? Since we talked to them back in the spring, they've continued to face an uncertain workforce that includes layoffs, not being able to find a job, and worsening work conditions. The last time we spoke to Aldrin Villahermosa, he was just one week away from graduating with his master's in public health. He spent his entire last year of grad school applying for job after job in hopes of lining something up once he graduated. Even after sending out over 200 applications, it didn't happen for him. Instead, he spent the summer returning to his home state of Hawaii and giving himself a well-deserved break from job searching and to celebrate his graduation.
1: So actually, over the summer, right after graduation, I essentially took a hard pause from my job search. Um, I went home for two weeks and just spent time in Hawaii for um, the entire time, just hanging out with my family and just like decompressing after two years of not just going straight through school. I just went to the beach every single day, um, ate poke bowls, just ate all the local food that I could while I was home because I missed it so much. <laughs>
0: When the time finally came for Aldrin to buckle down and get serious about applying again, he ended up in the final stages of the interview process with two different companies.
1: After almost 500 applications, I'm now in this situation where I'm like, okay, now I have a job lined up, but I also have this other job that I could go with. And so it was a lot of um, thinking very quickly (laughs) and um, kind of putting... A lot of things into perspective, like pros and cons, and what I really wanted out of my first post-grad job opportunity. And so, in all, no regrets. Um, but also, I'm like, dang, that was kind of a quick turnaround because, um, essentially, I had to leave my job at my university within a week to start, to be able to, like, onboard and start.
0: Both companies helped support marginalized individuals, something that he knew he definitely wanted to do. The first, which would pay more, had a less direct impact on the marginalized population they were helping. The second, which paid less, allowed him to see the people he was helping on an everyday basis. In some ways, it was a hard decision, especially when there is a significant monetary difference. But for Aldrin, the answer was clear. At the beginning of October, he started his role as health services referral and resource coordinator at Voices of Tomorrow.
1: Voice of the Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization based out of um, South King County, Washington. Our primary um, client base are um, East African uh, refugees and immigrants who are recently resettled in the United States with children pre or in gestation to five years old, and so a lot of our programming uh, is focused on early learning and early childhood family support. Um, and yeah, it was kind of very interesting because I found an affinity for this uh, organization the more that I learned about it throughout the interview process, because it was very similar to the resources and like organizations that my own family had to utilize, uh, primarily with my my parents' generation when they first got to the United States in Hawaii. It was kind of a very interesting parallel and uh, what's the word, like kind of full circle moment <laughs> um, that I found very uh, fulfilling and kind of like, okay, I can, I could see myself doing this for a couple more years.
0: It doesn't check all his boxes, like salary and flexibility. During his 90-day probationary period, he has to go into the office every day, something he's not necessarily super fond of.
1: Before this job, I've had to only fill up my tank every two weeks. I found myself refilling my, my tank up every four to six days, um, because I have to commute essentially like 30, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour in traffic um, from Tacoma up to Renton.
0: But in a way, he understands it too, especially as he onboards the company and will need extra support. It also provides a better opportunity to build mentors.
1: Now that I've been here for about three weeks, I realize that there's so many different things and different people that... I have to interact with, or not have to, I should be interacting with to be able to support our families in a more effective, yeah, essentially just a more effective manner because we work very collaboratively and interdepartmentally, um, that being able to be in the office and having to be in the office is very important just to, like, see another person's face and be like, oh, have you been able to connect with this family? How's this process coming along? Have you been able to do this or that that you said that you would?
0: Speaking of mentors, let's revisit our conversation with Danielle Farage, who has been a big advocate of creating friend tours, a new way of looking at mentorship. Your mentor isn't automatically going to be your boss, but instead someone that you might have a shared interest with, where you can talk about things way beyond what's happening in the workplace. It could be someone older than you, younger, neighbors, community members, and you don't need to pick just one person either. You can have multiple friend tours. After we spoke to Danielle in the spring, she went through a pretty big change that called for having front
2: tours on hand. Memorial Day weekend, I was laid off. And at first I was really shocked and upset, and I actually posted about my experience, so if anyone wants to go through my Instagram or my LinkedIn, A few months back, um, you know, I shared there more vulnerably about, you know, what that experience was like, but I kind of, I kind of compare it to like a layoff, like a layoff to grief and a loss Um, because I think a lot of the time when we get jobs, we attach our identities to that job and it's a part of ourselves. It's where we spend most of our time. And so when that is cut off, very suddenly, without your control, it very much resembles loss of a life, right? Loss and and grief. And so I, I've said um, that I went through a period of grief. I think that's super normal. And yeah, I st- it took the next three months, uh, now four, reflecting and kind of healing after, (laughs) focusing on my health and my mindset and seeking out therapy again. Thankfully, Gen Z and
0: younger millennial Americans are more likely than workers over 35 to have a backup plan for employment in case of layoffs, according to a recent survey by Collective, a platform for solopreneurs, which is how Danielle refers to herself now. Part of that preparation is having a team of folks to
2: rely on. So the first few days, I reached out to only super close friends, family, and friend tours. And the reason was because I didn't want all the attention. I didn't want people to ask me, you know, oh, like, what's next for you? What are you thinking? I felt like I needed time just to be with myself. Granted, that night, <laughs> I got connected to this woman who had also been through a layoff pretty recently, probably like six months ago, through one of my friend tours. And I got on the phone with her because I was like, just kind of seeking support from someone who had been there
0: So what's next for Danielle? She has a lot of exciting stuff going on in the world of digital nomading, consulting, and Gen Z.
2: By the time that people have listened to this, um, I will have launched my new newsletter, which is focused on highlighting stories of Gen Z and early career talent who love their jobs. First and foremost, I want to continue to push and advocate for Gen Z, um, you know, to change the narrative around how we're perceived both at work and in life. and highlight positive stories. I'm a huge, you know, fan of just like positive content, and that's what I want to create. And then I'm doing also some, you know, obviously like consulting work for organizations in terms of how do they attract, engage, and retain Gen Z. Um, And I am also working with Gen Zers um, one-on-one to help them find fulfilling and meaningful careers for them. Um, Plus, by the time that this also comes out, um, I will have just finished a one-month stay in Croatia (laughs) at a digital nomad house. So that's sponsored by the Digital Nomad Association of Croatia, and basically they got a bunch of really cool people together um, who are digital nomads or in like the remote working space, maybe they're creatives and authors, et cetera, 14 of us to live and work in a house together for a month. So very excited about that. Um, And really just like expanding, you know, my platform as a content creator, a digital nomad and a remote work advocate. You know, through that work, expanding, like, you know, what people think that they're capable of doing.
0: While Danielle was dealt a difficult situation and was able to pivot fairly quickly, Genesee Flores Santos, the young union member who works at HarperCollins, is still navigating her fair share of complexities at the company. They won the strike, but since the last time we spoke to Genesee, her union's former acting unit chair was fired. The unit chair is a leadership position within the union. They run general body meetings, talk to union members who have concerns, and sit in on disciplinary meetings and weekly stewards meetings, where the union decides what actions they want to try moving forward. Genesee was shadowing them before they were terminated, expecting to become unit chair years down the road. That changed overnight.
3: I thought I would have a very long runway until I stepped into that role sometime in the future. If they were, like, promoted or if they left to get another job, you know, I thought there would be a lot of training, a lot of room to grow into that position of leadership. Um, a week passed and they were wrongfully terminated. <laughs> and then um, we filed a grievance immediately. And um, we submitted an unfair labor practice charge, to the National Labor Relations Board. Um, that's going to take months to go through, you know, but we are hoping that they see our case. Um, we've gone through with the grievance already that's passed um most recently and we're waiting to hear back from the company now um but since we last spoke essentially I've I've become the unit chair now I was um elected to that position
0: she wasn't necessarily ready for it but she stepped up to the plate
3: I started getting like intensely involved in the union during the strike like but I knew that I had to make a decision. And I also knew that the week prior I had already like asked about shadowing. So that same day I, I wrote my, my acceptance of nomination on a purple sticky note with a cat on it. And I, I sent it in and then I was elected within the same week. It was, it was a very like tumultuous time because I didn't necessarily know what it would mean to, like, step into being the unit chair, um, like, what it would mean in terms of how I conducted myself at work, um, what it would mean for my the actual job that I had and the work that I was doing and how this role would impact my current position. And, like, all it's done really is, like like, my workload's kind of increased, and so... Now I'm, like, juggling it, and I've, like, certainly gotten into, like, the groove, which I'm really happy about.
0: She will sit as unit chair until either she leaves the organization, gets promoted, or if the unit disbands. She's only 22 years old, but up for the challenge.
3: When I stepped into being unit chair, I feel like it changed in that some things were a little bit more on an individual basis. Um, I began to start to get to know a lot of members more intimately about the things that were going on in their daily work, you know, and how I best I could support them, while also, you know, balancing that with best supporting the unit and how I could kind of give the truth and give the reality of situations, but also still offer, like, a warm hug to a certain extent and be like, The strike is over, long gone, but it is not forgotten for especially the people that went through it. We're still in this together. We're still fighting the good fight to make sure that those after us can have the best, to make sure that those still here can have the best, to make sure that those in the industry as a whole can have the best. I still have hope. I love books, even if books don't love me, and I'm going to keep loving them. I'm going to keep caring for them until, until I can, because these are my dreams.
0: While Genesee hunkers down at HarperCollins, Julie Pomerho's balancing act across gigs continues. While she's pulling back on her cater waiter job and has finished with the coffee shop completely, her days are busier than ever between her day job and her events business, Julie's Girls Club. I have, since we last spoke, I have definitely done even more with Julie's
4: Girls Club. And it's become bigger and we're getting bigger partners. So, And the parties are getting bigger. The events are getting bigger. So that workload has increased. So that's also why I was
0: super happy to stop working um, at the coffee shop, just so I could have more time on my own business. The goal for her is to really lean into Julie's Girls Club and continue growing as an entrepreneur especially because she isn't as happy in her day job anymore. She'd rather be her own boss. A new research study from business formation platform Zen Business surveyed 1,000 Gen Zers and found that 93% of them have taken steps towards building their own small businesses. 75% want to become entrepreneurs. Julie told us that working multiple jobs at once allowed her to diversify her skill set by learning from a bunch of different managers. Now that she's working towards becoming a boss herself, she's taking what she's learned, even from the abusive and toxic workplaces, to make herself a kinder and more understanding manager. I feel like that's something that at least can help make me better to other people that come into contact with me. So it's
4: super important to me um, to be just like, kind to everybody and every volunteer, because also they're giving me their time, they don't need to, and I recognize that from the jump. So I think that's also why, in addition to the previous negative experiences I've had, that I know that everybody
0: will be valued. These Gen Zers are also experiencing the highs of being in the workforce, including being promoted and moving to new jobs. Genesee was voted into the role of unit chair, Zarya Parvez at Duolingo is now officially the Senior Global Social Media Manager, and Shola West has moved on from the small marketing company she was at to become a brand lead at media and entertainment company Complex Networks. We also spoke with Marcy Merriman, EY America's cultural insights and customer strategy leader who helped conduct EY's 2023 report on Gen Z that we mentioned at the beginning of this episode. Her takeaway? pay close attention to how Gen Z is reshaping the workforce today.
5: We have a generation coming in that, for the first time, I dare say, has the ability to learn faster than the people in the workforce itself. I mean, this instant access to information technology, everything else that Gen Z has had, has given them the ability but also taught them that they can learn anything they can do anything they can go to social media and figure out how to do anything you know that's never been a challenge for them and I think there's a huge benefit coming into the workplace because they can actually show the rest of us things we may not have considered as far as what technology should do how we can communicate differently but also from a societal standpoint
0: The workplace is no longer as rigid as it once was pre-pandemic. And that suits our generation's needs better than ever. It's clear pushing for change won't be easy, but we're excited and hungry to take on that challenge. That's where we first got the idea for season two of The Return. We wanted to highlight how Gen Z is creating a new work experience. Throughout the season, the Gen Zers we interviewed talked about a lot of the same underlying themes, like what it means to be authentic at work and how we set boundaries between work and life. And it resonated with other people from their generation too, who called in and shared their own experiences.
6: Hello, my name is Drew Lindsay. I am a creative strategist and a part of the Gen Z cohort. When I started working in the marketing industry a few years ago and got my first quote-unquote real job, I noticed that almost all of the more senior members seem to have a business persona where members closer to my age don't really have one and tend to speak and show up more casually. I'm sure some of this comes down to experience, but I've never felt inclined to put on a professional face or attitude in the workplace. And I do sometimes worry if I come across as unknowledgeable or unprofessional or that I don't care, but that isn't the case. I find that Gen Z are more true themselves, whether they're on the clock or not, where other generations may hide a part of themselves for work. I think my generation is shifting how we show up at work in a lot of ways, but I think a common theme is that we're really just demanding a more natural and human environment to work in. Like, we're all people at the end of the day.
4: My name is Katie Fortunato, and I'm the managing director of a technology startup in the recruitment marketing space called recruitmentmarketing.com. And one thing as a co-founding business member and leader of a team is I've interviewed many Gen Zers and also am managing several on the team now. One thing that I continuously am surprised by is their technical prowess and their unique perspectives on workplace and what work-life balance should be. I admire that they relentlessly pursue multiple passions, not just in their career, but in their extracurriculars, with their families, with their travels, and they are pushing us to think outside the box and create those kinds of norms in the workplace. Um, I think they're also not afraid to challenge leadership and, and older managers in particular, and they challenge the status quo. They they question traditional methods, and I find that they're very creative and finding effective solutions. Um, and their willingness to experiment and embrace new technologies is a driving force behind our company's growth right now.
0: And some of our callers brought up other aspects that we hadn't covered in these eight episodes, like how they define the office and more recent trends, like being a lazy girl.
5: Hi, Chloe. My name is Grace, and I am a public relations account executive in New York. The lazy girl trend kind of was something I saw gain attention in the media last summer, which was labeling Gen Z's working style as lacking initiative and drive in comparison to millennial or boomer coworkers due to Gen Z's sometimes strict boundaries when it came to work-life balance. Since most of us as Gen Zs emerged into the workforce during or post-COVID, work really became synonymous with home, which I believe has made our generation set heavy boundaries between work and personal life from the very start. But that doesn't mean that we're lazy or not hustlers. Being a part of Gen Z and an agency culture, I've been able to see so many firsthand examples of how boundaries coexist within hustle culture without interfering with performance, unlike other opinions.
7: For me, time in the office is really a time to connect. As a 26 year old Gen Zer, I'm the eldest of my generation, meaning I got to experience about six months of that traditional office setting that's nine to five, five days a week. You're assigned to a cubicle. You really take lunch at your desk. You don't really interact as much with coworkers that aren't on your team. Lifestyle before the pandemic, and in contrast, my current company, which is hybrid, I do get to do those things. So I get to sit with people from different teams, different roles, that all come to connect with each other. And by sitting with each other, we find different intersection points that we really wouldn't have discussed if we were working remote. So it helps cut down on meetings when you are remote, because you can talk to them in person and and catch up on on small things that you might have missed. And it almost makes me, in a lot of ways, want to take more courses or more learning and development courses that I can take with friends or with coworkers in the office, book a conference room so that it's more of a interactive, collaborative experience, whereas if I was taking those at home, it might not be the same immersive experience and we wouldn't be able to discuss our takeaways and and how we felt after taking the course.
8: Hey, Chloe. Ayala from Cisco here. So as a Gen Z, I'm born in the year 2000. I can confirm that the modern work environment that we've become used to is not confined to a single space or even a device anymore. The modern work environment's flexible, it's mobile, it's connected, meaning that staying connected while we're on the move is more than just a convenience. It's really, honestly, a necessity. And Gen Z, we're demanding flexible frictionless ways to get work done on our terms, requiring innovative solutions that empower this work, meaning the connected car will be transformed into another extension of the hybrid workplace to empower Gen Z employees like myself with a really safe and really seamless way to stay productive, regardless of where I work, how I'm working, because in order for me to be successful in my career, hybrid work has to be flexible, frictionless, no matter where I'm working
0: from, even if it's my car. Gen Zers, we've definitely navigated wobbly territory and were given another lesson in resilience since the pandemic. It's felt difficult and disappointing at times, but there is a lot of positive change happening in the workplace. Now, all that's left is for our generation is to keep doing what we've been doing And hope that decision-makers begin or continue to listen to what we have to say. And if not, we'll be in their positions before we know it to make the changes ourselves. (music) The Return is brought to you by Digiday Media. This podcast was written and reported by me, Chloe Callahan, and produced and edited by Sarah Patterson. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Then head over to worklife.news for continued coverage on how workplaces and workforces are changing to meet new expectations.